And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I like to call it, Dear Alex and Hank. It's a comedy podcast for two brothers and sometimes a special guest. Like today, Alex Goldman of Reply All. Answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. How are you, Alex? Uh, I am great. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, good. Uh, so, Alex, you do a podcast. It's on It's on the podcast places. All of them. Every and it's single very one popular of them. And and uh, and very good and interesting. It's called Reply All, and I really appreciate you hanging out with me here on Dear Hank and John. I assume now that I will have to be a guest on Reply All, where I will talk about my obsession with I don't know, uh, like old, like early internet animutations. What is an uh, animutation? All your base are belong to us. That stuff. I don't know what. Yes, yes. What you, did you ask? What an animutation is? Yes. <gasps> Oh no! How could I know something about the internet that you don't know? Oh, no. What is it? Um, and like so, like you you remember these? They're like these flash animations that were done back in the day, like very low sodium and Neil Cesariga and yes, yeah, like they did one for Yata. You know these things. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So I just you know I I loved that and I love that uh, I love that those things have had an impact on the modern internet that no one understands. So like the, the sort of like, like wave of influence is so far past being influenced by that. Um, one of the things that's like, nice it's still about- there, it's still hidden inside of the subculture of the internet. One of the things that's nice about the internet that doesn't feel the same way in the larger culture is that the internet is still relatively young enough that, you know, you can sort of see the butterfly wings fluttering and watch the, you know, the massive change that came from that thing. Like, you can trace a lot of things back to their origins in a very interesting mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. That's totally true. Yeah, and 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 uh, makes your podcast very interesting. So I love I love to watch and see it. If you ever, I I would definitely want Neil Cesariga to be part of a story on. Um, on reply all someday because he can t- like he's just had so many different things that are like people know about them but they don't know that he's the person that made them he's like um, an internet polymath he has done he has yeah. had many lives on the internet all of them sort of uniquely weird every time <laughs> he does something i'm just like this is so creative yeah like how do you not run out of these right well i mean you just yeah, you just gotta keep make just keep making things. Um, I'll I'll tell you about my uh, favorite Neil Cesariga project after the podcast because it's a little bit uh, blue, um, so I feel like I can't bring it up right now. <laughs> but um, we usually do uh, we answer questions from our listeners, so we're gonna do that unless you have a short poem for us. I do have a short poem for you. Oh my gosh! Okay. Um, I wanted to throw some shine to a friend of mine. Her name's Marissa Crawford. She's a poet in New York City, and I have known her since college. And her poems are frequently about the sort of weird feelings that people have as teenagers about love and life and friends. And uh, so I grabbed one from one of her books, and I'm going to read it to you now. Okay. It is untitled. It goes like this. Carrie used to draw the anarchy symbol everywhere, but Janie said if there was anarchy, that would mean that killers like Charles Manson would be running free to attack and murder our mothers. There was this thing that happened when Carrie moved away. 
At first we talked a lot and wrote letters, but then missing each other got too hard and we became comfortably numb. We used our lunch money to buy a bag of purple Skittles and a bag of Chex Mix from the vending machine and then save the rest for if Pink Floyd ever got back together. The end. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's my kind of poem, Alex. It's just, yeah. That didn't turn my brain off. I had this problem where poetry turns my brain off because it's not structured like normal speech. Um, But that worked. Yeah, I have a hard time with poetry, too. It's nice that the one friend I have who decided to actually become a poet writes poetry that uh, actually connects with the way that I experience the world. (laughs) Yeah, just like narratively, not like just like functionally, not not any kind of. Yeah, not in terms of like the the metaphor, the, the subject matter. But like, I just can't do it. It's so weird. I yeah. Just talk like a normal person, poets. Uh, I apologize, poets. Talk the way, ever, whichever way you want to, and I will endeavor to change my brain and not make you change yours. No judgments, um, poets. You're doing fine. I did. Uh, I did remember a, a moment when uh, I was drawing an anarchy symbol in high school, and somebody was like, "What kind of anarchy do you believe in?" And I was like, "Oh man, that is way above my pay grade." That feels Don't like you, a very I'm tough not, question. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not I'm not like I haven't read books by these people i'm just drawing the anarchy symbol i believe in the kind of anarchy that lets me draw this cool symbol with impunity yeah i believe in the kind of anarchy where i don't have to like go to school all the time you know what real anarchy is uh not learning the ins and outs of what anarchy actually is (laughs) a plus (laughs) all right all right. Uh, we got some questions from our listener. I'm going to start with this one from Cameron, who asks, Dear Hank and Alex, as a senior in high school, I've been applying to many scholarships and universities, and one consistent thread in application essays is, how have you significantly grown and changed over the last four years? In a time in my life that is incredibly stressful and everybody's changing, what do you think counts as significant change? Is this change dependent on personality or events? What would each of you consider significant changes you have undergone in the last four years? Not an African country, just a person. Cameron. So not Cameroon. Okay. Uh, do you have a... So I, I do want to admit that, like, as a 37-year-old person, I have not changed as much as I did between the ages of, like, 14 and 18. But I have changed. I do have... I have changed significantly. Um, and mostly that has to do with my professional life and also I got a baby. So that's probably different from your significant changes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I I had a kid. But but Mm -hmm. from 14 to 18, everything changes. Right? Right? Yes. Yeah, be like, I have a bunch of new feelings for people and things. And I mean, I think like that what they're looking for is that like you are interacting with the world in a rich way. And so, like, like I think that you cannot go wrong on a college admission, admissions essay by saying, I used to think that things were simple, and now I see that they are complex. Not only that, but, like, between when I was 14, I was just trying to survive. I didn't have an idea about how the world worked, or, or and I didn't care to have one. But by the time I was mm-hmm. 18, I developed, like, a value system. 
not a coherent right. one necessarily, but <laughs> anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, my value system was about how cool it was to draw the anarchy symbol. Um, but I do think that, you know, at s- you lear- you come to understand what it means to be valuable to someone or to value someone over that period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's like mm-hmm. a, a huge change. Yeah, it, it's pretty remarkable, like that that shift. And that this happened ex- especially late for me of like accepting that my parents were people and then I needed to treat them like humans. Right, right. Like something as simple as that. But also like you find that in your peers, you find that like you find that other people valuing you and you find the joy in that and like the the and the terror of of wondering whether or not that's a real thing or an imagined thing or or not seeing it happen when it is happening because we are so good at ignoring people actually caring about us um yeah i like i think that i think that i don't like no funny answers here i think that this i think this is legit like it's a great thing to always be thinking about is like how am i different now than i was last year how am i growing and like uh and how am i how am I be doing a better job of imagining the world and myself and other people? Um, I have never had that thought. And now I'm wondering how little I've grown over the past 30 plus years. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. Dear Alex and Hank, I recently brought a college friend home for Thanksgiving because he didn't have anywhere else to go. During these three days with my family... He was very rude towards some of my family members, and they all kind of hate him now. Okay. I used to like spending time with him, but now all I can think about is how rude he was to my family. I want to bring it up, but I don't know how, and I hate confrontation. I kind of just want to stop communication with him altogether because I don't even know if I want to be friends with him anymore. I'm confused. What should I do? Not the American Idol judge, Paula. Wait a second. Paula, do you think that uh, that Paula Abdul is just an American Idol judge and that's what she's famous for? Yeah, she's definitely famous for Straight Up. Or I guess, you know what? She's actually famous for that one with the animated cat. Opposites Attract. Yeah, Opposites Attract. I, I, like, that's a fascinating world that, that I live in now where I realize that some people think that Paula Abdul is just an American Idol judge. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the thing because I've never seen that show and I did not even know that Paula Abdul was an American Idol judge I just assumed that that's who you mean uh, I didn't either until I assumed that you knew and that's why quickly you said googling it. Paula American <laughs> Idol it must be yeah Paula Abdul singer songwriter Paula Abdul uh, okay. married to Brad Beckerman from 1996 to 1998 and Emilio Estevez from 1992 to 1994 you didn't know that no Wow. She married the repo man. Well, apparently, (laughs) apparently straight up is actually her biggest hit. So you were right the first time. Um, That's according to Google anyway. So I know what I would do in this situation. Alex Goldman, do you want to hear my bad strategy for dealing with this? Go for it. So I like I do not suggest that you do this. I would write this person an email and I would be like, here's why the relationship it has deteriorated between you and I, and I will outline to you uh, in, in this short bulleted list the mistakes that you made, and uh, and it will be very awkward. And I would only do it because in my in my like deep seated heart, I would believe that I was helping them, but I probably wouldn't actually be. Yeah, that's bad advice, Hank. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page that like the thing that I would do is not the right thing to do. Um, I, I, I can tell you what I would probably do, which is I would probably ghost the person, which is also bad advice. I mean, is it? People get ghosted. And for, for less bad things than being a jerk to your family repeatedly. Right, but I guess the, I guess the thing in this, this email that makes me feel like ghosting might be okay is that Paula describes this person as a, um, as a mm-hmm. college friend, not like a close right. friend, um, a, a mm-hmm. best friend. The closest she comes is I used to like spending time about. I used to like spending time with him. Mm-hmm. Right. It does not appear that you, uh, it does not appear that, like, it, it kind of feels a little bit like, maybe we could take our friendship to the next level, and then you found out that you couldn't, and that wasn't going to happen. Like, like not like the next level, like, we're going to hook up, but, like, maybe we're going to go from, like, acquaintances to good friends by having this, like, together time at Thanksgiving, and that didn't work out, and so now you're just acquaintances forever. I will say, though, that bringing someone home with you for Thanksgiving presupposes a certain amount of closeness, doesn't it? I mean... Yes and no. I, I actually was in a very similar situation to this one time where I ended up going to my friend's uh, like like lake house because I didn't like I was going to be left at school alone. And so they like took me to the lake house and like we went like I like hold, held on to his his like hips while he jet skied, you know, and that's like like physical closeness. Um, And then uh, and then it was like I, like we didn't. Like we did not resonate on a friend level, and I we never hung out after that. Right. Like, like we were like like it just like I ended up getting dragged along and like spending all this time and being like, well, that didn't work out. And like you're into stuff that I'm not into was more what it was. Like he was like driving 95 miles an hour on the interstate, and I was like, slow down. So this is like I don't want a jet ski anymore. <laughs> so this is like when you go on a date. Uh, when you go a on a couple bit. dates and then you're like, let's take a weekend away. And when you actually spend a weekend with the person, you're like, ah, this is, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's okay. I like, I do, I do like it, like deep down. I want to know what was the root of this, that maybe this person uh, like, like was feeling really uncomfortable or judged or was having a real bad day just because they like had to spend Thanksgiving with strangers. But, um, but like also, if you don't want to hang out with them. You don't have to be friends with people you don't want to be friends with. Right. Um, at the same time, if this person does want to salvage their relationship, I think that they need to say something. Yeah, you could do that. You could be like, what was up with that? That's the. But that's, that's very exactly hard. what I was going to say. The way you do it is you say, did you notice like maybe that you were being a little rude to my family? And then if they're like, what are you talking about? Be like, well, here are six examples of the, the, the you know, <laughs> when you threw a turkey leg at my grandmother. Yeah. Maybe you could, like, why would that have happened? And sometimes people will just say, like, I don't know, I was just really uncomfortable. And, like, I liked them, but, like, I didn't know how to talk to them, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you can come to some kind of understanding. Mm-hmm. 
So, Absolutely. And, and and do go into it with some some not harsh but specific examples because I often will enter into a conversation where I'm like, you need to stop acting this way. And people are like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. You just do things. <laughs> and then uh, I, mean, like, I should have had my recorder out and recorded you when you said that mean thing. I don't know. I can't remember now. Right. right. But yeah, if, the, if somebody got hit with a turkey leg, you got to bring that up. Yeah, so our advice, I guess, is ghost them if you don't care. Mm. Um, uh, confront them if you do. All right, our next question. Austin asks, Dear Hank and Alex, I live in Minnesota where we tend to have long, dark winters. I live in Montana. It's the same here. While snow is wonderful and I actually really do like winter, all that darkness can be hard on your mental health. One of the things I've always found makes me feel better is a crackling fire in a fireplace or a lit candle or two. There's something so cheery about having a little flame flickering inside when it's dark out. Lots of folks in Minnesota are descended from Scandinavian immigrants, and I found a couple of years ago that there's this word in Norwegian and Danish to describe this cozy inside with fire fielding, hygge, or whatever, however that's pronounced. So, here's my question. Is there a scientific or psychological reason that candles and fires in a fireplace raise our morale? Like the author, not the city, Austin. Uh... Was like last year the year of Huga because I heard about this a lot last year and I feel like I'm still here. My like my wife just came home with two different like Huga specific book like cookbooks. This is literally the first time I've ever seen this word. <laughs> so it wasn't last year was not the year of whatever the hell that word is. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, where do you live? Do you live in New York City? Uh, I mean, I live in New Jersey. I work in New York City. Okay. Okay, yeah, I bet I like I just feel like uh like like coziness is probably not a huge part of the culture of New York where you know it gets cold and dreary, but also like people are like I don't know like I just don't like picture people in in like the big city like cuddling up and just spending time with their hot chocolate and their cat. You guys got stuff to do. Yeah, that's not a big New York City thing. I did grow up in Michigan. We did have mm. that vibe there. So yeah. Uh, I've been working on a video uh, for a while. That so I grew up in Florida, and then I moved to Montana. This was pretty big climate difference there, and um, and so like I've adjusted very well to like living in a cold place. But I just my my assistant moved from Florida to Montana, and she's like, I do not understand how you do this. And so I want to like basically for her, but also everyone, like how do you live in a cold place? And pieces of advice, and one of them is like. This, like, I think the word cozy is pretty good at describing this, um, where you have blankets around and you light a candle if you don't have a fireplace and, like, you have, it's dark and you sort of, like, lean in. Now, the, what I've what I've heard about Hygge is that it's sort of, like, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm pronouncing this so well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of that except with friends. So there's sort of a social element oh, to it where it's like okay. everybody gets together and we're all going to like put on blankets and like chat and have hot drinks. And that's like, like that's a lovely thing. Like I do like that. I like, and, and I, I like, I don't know if they're like, I'm not going to say that there's a psycho psychological or scientific thing here, but what I will say is there are definitely um, when you end up in a situation there are ways to to frame it positively and ways to frame it negatively. And I think that if you surround yourselves with, with ways to frame a, a situation positively, even if it's not super positive, like the sun went down and it's 3.30 in the afternoon, 
that you can find ways to sort of like like form that into something that's nice and uh and that is just based on culture and it's based on you and it's based on your brain chemistry it's based on a lot of things and like but just trying to figure out those the the puzzle pieces to fit together to make something nice when it wouldn't necessarily be automatically nice right. i think is like i'm making the thumbs up gesture right now and i think the coziness and maybe coziness with friends are really good ways to do that. I am of the opinion that the only reasons for winter are sledding and coziness. Like sledding <laughs> and a lot of blankets. You know how, you know how, like... How, when was the last time you went sledding, Alex Goldman? Uh, well, I have a two-year-old, so I dragged him around in a sled last year. My hope is that okay. this year he'll be three. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't say when was the last time... You took someone sledding. <laughs> when was the last time you put your butt on a sled and went down a hill? It because actually... I did this when I was thirty when I was thirty-five years old and I discovered that my body is different now. <laughs> <laughs> I did not feel good the next day, like hard to get off of the bed. It was actually a couple of years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Uh yeah. Oh like yeah. I, I feel I did not realize that sledding was a physical activity until I uh, until I did it as as a middle aged man. I mean, a huge part of it is slamming yourself into the snow as you launch yourself down. Oh yeah, just bam, 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 bam. Just right. I mean, we have pretty intense sledding hills, as you might imagine in Missoula. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it was yeah. It, <laughs> I my back hurts just thinking about it. Um, but very I, fun. I agree. Sledding is is a high quality activity. But you know those like weighted blankets that are supposed to, you know, improve, like improve your emotional state. There's like sort of mm-hmm. these. Yeah. I I mean that's just what being cozy is. You just toss a bunch of blankets on yourself, and then you feel yeah. nice and like you're wearing a giant lead baby bib. It's great. <laughs> like, I mean, I like I. Remember going and getting X-rays and loving the feeling of them putting those lead things on you. So, yeah. like that is that's a weird thing to, to that you brought up, but I do like I love it when somebody puts a big, like leaded baby apron on me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give credit to um, there is a Twitter user named uh, Leon. His Twitter handle is L E Y O N, and he has a tweet mm-hmm. in which. It, he is chanting heavy baby bib and then the dentist comes and puts the lead apron on him and he calms down. And the image is so funny. I imagine someone in a dentist's office going, heavy baby bib, heavy baby bib. So much respect to Leon. That's good. That's good. Uh, I think we answered that one, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I got as close as I was going to get. <laughs> my only other my only other hypothesis is that um, maybe we're like moths and we just like to uh, run around in circles near uh, near lights and flames. <laughs> Chanting, heavy baby bib. <laughs> All right, here we go. Dear Alex and Hank, I just started college and I've made some new friends, but now I have a problem. Am I supposed to get them Christmas presents? I mean, I've oh, only God. known them a few months. So how long are you supposed to be friends with someone before you start buying each other Christmas presents? How do you know who you're supposed to buy presents for? I really need some dubious advice. Presents and problems, Laura. I have very strong I feelings mean, about God. this one. Oh, do you? Because I, 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 have, I, have I have a suggestion, but I do not have strong feelings. So hit me with your strong feelings, and then I'll hit you with my suggestion. 
when I was in college, at my at my best, I was making minimum wage. Like I had no money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I had a meal plan, so I wasn't yeah. wanting for food. <laughs> Pop tarts. But yeah. but you shouldn't buy anybody Christmas presents when you're in college. If anything, you should like make them Christmas presents. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it, I'm old enough that when I was ma- when I was in college, it was like mixed CDs and things like that. But right, right. But no one's gonna get mad. No, if you don't get them a Christmas present. No. Uh, here is my suggestion: if if you feel like maybe there would be like an a, like a level of appreciation that would be inferred by other people, like oh, this person is valuing me. If you gave them a present, then give them the one of the following items: candy, something from the dollar store. Uh, that's it. <laughs> like, and like and like a card that's made out of printer paper where you folded it in half and you said, "A Merry Christmas, here's some candy." Because I think that there's like I think receiving a gift is like is a separate thing from the gift itself and and so like it doesn't matter if you spent 25 cents on this gift the fact that you are just doing it is okay it's like a plus like no here's yes piece of printer paper merry christmas open it up on the inside scotch taped is a is a is a quarter boom perfect christmas presents for your college That's actually friends. really good a quarter is really good that that feels like something <laughs> that your parents would do so it feels like if you're homesick that feels really nice um, yeah, yeah. When I first started dating my wife, I didn't. I was a terrible gift giver. I was just like, oh, well. Oh, did she did she reform you? Are you better now? She did. She, you know, she was like, listen, um, you like to get me things that are like expensive and electronic and blah blah blah. And she's like, I don't really want those. There's nothing mm-hmm. to them. They're just they're like tchotchkes that are great and I'm sure very useful. But like, if you're getting me a gift, I want you to get me a gift because it's something that you think I will really love. So now Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, like she would value, she had had a much better reaction to getting like a plank that she could put a book on in the bathtub than she did to like an iPod. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that is a, a valuable lesson, I think. I thought about you, and not only did I get you this thing, but I also installed it. <laughs> Look, or had it installed, as the case may be. Um, yeah, I actually got, uh, for Christmas, Catherine's going to get a thing that I will have installed, and she won't even know that she got this Christmas present until she opens the right door, and she'll be like, oh, that's convenient. That's nice. That's better than the way it was before. And that's what, that's what uh, you know, your... your uh, 20th year of being together is like I noticed that you were annoyed by something and I fixed it you're right. less annoyed now right I was paying attention to you um and that's what we all want it's just to be valued anyway you are under no obligation to get your friends Christmas presents no god no uh like a like a coloring book and some crayons like like if you spend more than five dollars on anybody's present you are actually making the situation worse yeah you're making it then they're gonna feel like they need to buy stuff and it gets yeah and yeah you know what would be the best Christmas present this is something that I would want if I were in college if you somehow have access to a part of the campus that I am not supposed to be on, take me to that part. That is a great Christmas present. 
Take me to the bell tower. If you have a, if you have access to a lab full of spiders, take me to that to that. Sure, lab. yeah, yeah. Show me the show me the weird natural history museum that that's a working museum and not a public one. Yes. <laughs> this next question comes from Don, who asks, "Dear Hank and Alex, my question is simple: Does any light from other stars reach Earth and remain visible to our eyes on the ground?" So, of course, the light is visible to our eyes because we look at them and we see them. But does it hit the ground? Is my shadow less dark because of the light from other suns filling in the darkness? Can I get, like, a slight three-point lighting setup or, like, 100,000 million-point lighting If in this case? If I simply stand in the correct spot on Earth at the right time of day slash night. I'm not a duck, Don. What do you think? What do you think, Alex, about... Stars. You know a lot about this subject? Oh, man. I'm making a confession. This is a Dear Alex and Hank exclusive. I am so bad at mathematics and astronomy that the only way I made it out of my astronomy class was cheating on one test. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's been 20 years. I I, I think it's okay. Um, I think the statute of limitations has run out. I don't think they're going to revoke my diploma, but I'm very, <laughs> very bad at science. All right. Well, so, Don, the answer to your question is simply that, yes, there is starlight. And uh, and if and a, on a, a moonless night, um, if you are in the middle of nowhere and there is no source of light, there is still light because of stars. And there will... St- and you, it will still be like uh, each individual star is casting its individual shadow, but there will be no shadows because there's a dome of them. Um, and so they're casting in every direction, which is really cool. Um, and uh, and you can, you can detect that light. Um, and there is actually a weird thing where if the universe was infinitely large and infinitely old, there would be so much starlight that would have reached us that the sky would actually just be the color of the sun and the brightness of the sun. Whoa. The only reason really? it's it's dark and black is because even though we think that the universe is likely just sort of an <laughs> infiniteness of stars, that light hasn't had time to get to us yet. Huh. So at some point, if the universe is infinite, the the there will be no nighttime and no daytime, just sort of this blinding white brightness? Well, to be clear, the universe will never be infinitely old. Um, so that is a that is a supposition of a thing that cannot occur. But right. yeah, if, if it was, or if the speed of light were instantaneous, um, and all of the light from an in, infinite field of stars all had already reached us, um, there is a minute physics video about this called Why is the Sky Dark at Night?, which will explain all of that, and it's very good, and it has video parts and is only three minutes long, even though it's minute physics. It's three-minute physics. Gotcha. So, yeah, weird. Uh, starlight is a thing. And in fact, they uh, people have even tried to create solar panels that are sensitive enough that they can generate electricity from starlight, which they can do, but it is more... Uh, it is more like useful for detecting very faint amounts of light than it is for actually producing electricity. Um, it's just sort of a way to say, like, this is a very sensitive solar panel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, 
this is more than I've that I've I've learned more about astronomy in these last two minutes than I have <laughs> in many years. So thank you. Okay. Um, all right, dear Alex and Hank, I am an American. I recently moved to Germany, and in an attempt to find my bearings in my new city, almost everything reminds me of people I knew in the U.S. Sometimes I'm reminded of mm. old friends or ex-boyfriends I've lost touch with. Is it ever okay to reach out to someone just to say hi? Is it weird to let someone know you are thinking of them? Or is it nice? Oh. I don't want, I don't know what I want out of the interaction. I think I just want to connect to people. Would everyone be better off if I focused on making new friends? For better or worst, as in like bratwurst. Bratwurst. Uh, <laughs> Tessa. Uh, Okay. Yeah. No, it's normal to reach out to old friends. I don't know about ex-boyfriends because like, I don't know if they're going to be like, so what does this mean? What does this mean? This is what, like, (laughs) there might be some amount of, I don't know how you left it with them. But yeah, I like it when my old friends reach out to me and they're like, hey, how you doing now? I'm good. I live in Germany. I eat lots of German food and hang out with German people. That's weird. <laughs> I, yeah, there's nothing, nothing. Is it? Do you, is that? Does anybody think that's weird? I I, th- I feel like this question says old friends, but it's more geared toward the ex boyfriends thing. Like I think that like, <laughs> yeah, because because it, it's definitely not weird with old friends. Yeah, but it might be a little weird with ex boyfriends. Yeah, I think that that is a good piece of intuition, Alex. <laughs> I think. That it is only weird. Okay, this is gonna sound. This is gonna. This is a tautology, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It's weird if it's weird. Like if you have a had a bad parting <laughs> relationship with that person, then yes, it's super weird. Or right, like if you broke up with them and they were like, "I would like to keep this going," and you were like, "No," and then you reach out and you're like, "Hey, I live in Germany now. How you doing?" They're gonna be like, "Okay, well, I got a chance with Tessa now, so let's let's put up my entire life on hold, and I'm gonna move to Germany." <laughs> But I don't, I mean, I'm friends with exes. It's okay to be friends with exes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, sometimes it's nice to feel like you have an anchor when you are totally uh, unmoored and sort of lost in another country. It feels, it's tough to move to another city yeah. to say nothing of another country. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's not weird, I say do it. A- at the same time... Um, you would be better off if you focused on making new friends, Tessa. Um, and, and yet I have no advice for how to make new friends as an American in Germany. Um, I, cause I have not done that. I think that I don't have enough information to totally say, but if you speak German, I would say if there's, you have a hobby or something and there's like a meetup for it, you should go do that. I loved mm-hmm. radio when I was in college. My first semester of college, I was like lonely and desperate. And I was like, maybe I should drop out and move home. And I cried every day. And uh, one time someone asked me how I was doing at the food co-op. And I started to cry because I was doing so badly. Um, like it was just, I was miserable the whole time. And I almost didn't come back. And mm-hmm. um, the semester I returned... I just got involved at the radio station. I didn't have a radio show. I was just a volunteer there, which meant I would do stuff like cataloging records and things like that. And I met 
everyone I knew at college through the radio station. Mm-hmm. It's just go find something that you like to do and go do it. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk to your friends back home. I'm sure that even people who haven't heard from you in a long time care about you and want to hear from you. But I know Absolutely. what it's like to be in a situation that feels isolating and alone. And I'm sorry, Tessa, that you're there. And I hope that you're doing okay. Thanks, Alex. This next question comes from Tori, who asks, Dear Hank and Alex, why are all of my pencils number two? What does this mean? Are all of my number one and three pencils languishing in some drawer, lost and alone? Shouldn't all my pencils be number one? Are they not worthy of praise and adoration? Who in the world uses number one and number three pencils? Why are they not allowed to be used on standardized tests? How far does this number system go? Are there number 10 pencils? Is this a Ticonderoga conspiracy? I hope I'm not the only one confused looking for my number one pencil. Tori of the land of Ticonderoga. Uh, do they have Ticonderoga pencils in other country, or are people going to be really confused by that? Uh, I, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. Uh, in any case, Ticonderoga is a pencil company in America. And it's also a place. I assume that uh, t- Ticonderoga pencils are made in Ticonderoga, which is a wonderful word now that I've said it a bunch of towns. Yeah. T- towns? Times. Ticonderoga is a nice, nice word. There's a... There's a- there's a uh, place in Los Angeles called Coenga Pass. That's also a word mm-hmm. I love saying over and over again. Coenga oh, yeah, is a yeah, lot Coenga. of fun to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did some research on number number three pencils, but before I get there, uh, yeah, it, it, that is confusing because they they don't show up in normal life. But there is a difference. There is a thing here that is being indicated by the numbers on your pencils and it is the hardness of their lead what or their graphite wait why do i need to know how hard the lead is does that affect how it looks it does so the harder the pencil lead the uh softer the line so a number one pencil has the softest of the leads before it just starts to be crumbly and uh, that graphite will make a darker line and the pencil will wear more quickly and number one pencils are used by by like professionals who are really into their pencils having really dark marks number two pencils uh wear less quickly but they still have relatively dark marks whereas number three and four uh and i don't know how high it goes but those pencils are so hard that they might not be dark enough to make the scantron sheets read the pencil so the reason that we use number two pencils is because they show up on scantrons and last yeah they're a good mix good mix between yeah those two things uh i'm looking i just googled number eight pencils (laughs) uh and it looks like they exist really i'd like to try a number eight pencil that sounds like it would be a very very hard Lead. Uh, Faber-Castell <laughs> pencils since 1761. The graphite pencil Castell 9000, 8B. A genuinely classic pencil was launched by Count Alexander von Faber-Castell in ni- 1905. Its quality and finely graduated degrees of hardness have made it a firm favorite with artists and illustrators. It's lead fully bonded with wood surrounding with the wood surrounded and is therefore particularly brake resistant. And it's available in 16 different degrees of hardness. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice. Um, it goes from hmm, this. It, it it now gets confusing to me because there are there are letters after it. So there's there's like a four mm-hmm. B. Who knows what those letters are? H. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, people get really into their writing implements. I have had conversations with people that I did not want to be in that went on for a very long time about pens. And I was just like, man, my relationship with pens is they, I take them from hotels and that's my pen. (laughs) Yes, me too. Me too. I'm like an incessant doodler, but I'm not a good artist. So I don't have like a a predilection toward fancy pens. I just grab one. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing to note is that a lot of pencils, like, you know, you go to like an art supply store and there's pencils and every thought you could have about what a pencil might be capable of. They have more thoughts uh, because pencils, when they're being used for art are there's, there are a number of different things that can be done there, which is why this podcast is brought to you by all of the pencils. <laughs> it's got this. You got a number four B. You want that? Yes. You want a number? You want a number ten A? Yeah, we got that too. Every pencil uh, available, probably at your art store, but definitely in Ticonderoga, where apparently pencils come from. This podcast is also brought to you by Starlight. Oh. Uh, it's not just from the sun anymore. And if the universe gets sufficiently old. Uh, it'll be everywhere. It'll be everywhere, and probably all Earth, all all of the life on Earth will just be fried. This podcast is also brought to you by jet skiing with a not very close acquaintance. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> this episode uh, is also brought to you by the heavy baby bib. It's so comfortable. <laughs> just lay down. We'll place it over you, and then you know you might get your teeth. Dr- drilled you might you know sit in front of a crackling fire who can say (laughs) all right let's do one more question before we get to the news from mars and afc wimbledon i assume that you brought some news from afc wimbledon uh oh yeah you know it okay good all right hit me hit me with that last question this says this is from Paige. it says hello brothers i'm gonna assume she knew that i was going to be on the show and just thinks of us as having a fraternal relationship Mm. um Hello, brothers. I have a short-range radio device that you can plug into your phone. Mm. It's supposed to be used as an alternate if your car doesn't have an aux, an, an aux cord. I've been using it to prank my friends for a few weeks now. This is good. I, I've had it play some bits of your podcast, and more recently, I made it play <laughs> cryptic messages. Um, <laughs> my friends are super spooked and still totally oblivious. Any ideas for next steps in the prank? Do I play more cryptic messages, other things? Any advice is greatly appreciated. Oh, my God. Oh, and sign-off, Tur- turn the page. We, we do name-specific sign-offs here at Dear Hank and John, if you hadn't caught on, Alex. Um, this is great. This, this is, is very good. I think that, the, like, I am often iffy on pranks because I think that they can be, and still like, be careful that you're not freaking your friends out too much. But I like this. I have a similar, I I had a long running similar prank where I would, so at my laptop, uh, I named it, like it tells you, like it asks you to like put the name, your name in when you have your laptop. Um, Mm -hmm. And I put uh, just a, like a random name in that was not mine just because I did not, like I didn't care. And, uh, 
And and then I found that that meant that when I airdropped people, it came from a name that was not my name. And then I found <laughs> that a lot of people in my office had their airdrop open. So I would just send them weird things and they would accept nice. them. And then I would, and then, uh, and they would be like, who? And so uh, finally I let every, like, it came out that it was me who had been doing it. And I was like, what did you think? And they were like, I thought, honestly, that there was a guy who would like drive by our office and airdrop us files. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess like airdrop you like ET in a coat. Yeah. That was just a guy like just back in the, yeah. back in the early days of, uh, the, of Wi-Fi, there used to be people who would drive around neighborhoods and try and hack into other people's mm-hmm. Wi-Fi networks. Yeah. And they called it, they called it war driving because mm-hmm. it, it, it was, uh, it was it, it, similar to the way that Matthew Broderick's character in War Games would just dial every number until he got right. a, until he connected to someone. Mm-hmm. And what they were imagining as like someone who is just sort of war driving your office. I imagine someone parked in your parking lot in the corner, <laughs> just being like, "Ah, I can't wait to send them a weird image." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'm totally gonna get them today. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe this is maybe and you can it. rename your computer and like have a thing that's playing and then have the image show up that's related to it later that day and you airdrop them a file that is related to the weird podcast that you're playing or the weird podcast you're creating from ghosts weird ghost podcast I like that see I always feel like if you have the opportunity to do this you sh- it shouldn't just be sort of like random bits and pieces of weirdness. Like, I feel like you should come up with a narrative that is plausibly disembodied voices, uh, 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 this, this, the, like disembodied voices coming out of this short range radio, and then play those. Like, play, right. p- come up with some kind of story. Right. Well, like, the thing I don't want to do is have it just be like weird ghosts. So you want, like, I think that it should be, there should be more to it. Like, there should be a person who's stuck in the radio station or or <laughs> who's become a radio. They're like, a person who, like, got, like, like a transporter accident in Star Trek and instead, uh, like, they, they, they got shocked at the radio station. Like, something funny and cute that's not just, like, uh, like no screaming or, uh, or you know, like, like this is how I died stuff. Yeah. This is just how I got converted into a radio broadcast. (laughs) Um, This reminds me of in gremlins too. And one of the gremlins is turned into electricity. (laughs) Well, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like that. Forget about that. (laughs) I don't know. Like that. Do that. Except maybe it is a gremlin. Maybe maybe it's you just start making weird gremliny noises. I yeah. I I mean I I kind of want to leave this in your hands. Don't be too mean, but definitely keep it going. Uh, Paige, I I have fi- I think that just by virtue of the fact that you came up with this prank in the first place, first place, I have total faith that you are going to come up with a great great mm-hmm. prank to play on them. 
Right. So, I don't, like my my only contribution is maybe if you can work an airdrop so that it's happening in multiple media simultaneously, they can be like, okay, idea. this is real weird now. This is real weird. It's happening. There's, if you if you can figure out how to project something onto the TV, then you get the trifecta. Oh yeah, and it's all happening at once. <laughs> Good luck, um, Paige. You can have, and then I have a scavenger hunt, and at the end of the scavenger hunt, they get a they get a piece of printer paper folded in half, and it says "Merry Christmas," and there's a quarter inside. There's a quarter tape to the inside. <laughs> okay. That's a great idea. Oh uh, yeah, it was, all, it was all worth it. You got that quarter. All right, Alex. News from AFC Wimbledon. AFC Wimbledon shot down by the wizardry of Oz. Oh no, uh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> former. Former Dulwich Hamlet playmaker nets twice. Um, <laughs> so far, so good. There is a former Dulwich Hamlet midfielder named Erhun Oztumer, who I assume they call Oz, and he's capable of performing wizardry. Mm-hmm. And he he proved that it is skill, not size, that wins matches as AFC Wimbledon paid the price for early missed chances. So what I've learned about him so far is that he is skillful, but small. <laughs> he used to hang out with Dulwich... He used to hang out with something called Dulwich Hamlet, and um, people call him Oz. He scored a scorching free kick and a very rare error by keeper George Long on Saturday gifted him the ball 30 yards out. Um, so it was 2-0 against AFC Wimbledon. I'm sorry to say because of how great uh, let me get his name again. Because of how great Erhuna's tumor is. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Seems unlikely, but that is life. That is that is yeah. the life of, of, of AFC Wimbledon news as far as I can tell. Um, especially British towns who knows? Who knows? But it sounds like AFC Wimbledon lost a, a game. AFC Wimbledon lost a game uh, uh, to someone who used to be part of the Dulwich Hamlet. Yes. I do love I do love the names of towns. In There's England. something weird about it. Um, like it makes like like it resonates with like my ancestral memory. Because I am very I am like <laughs> I did 23 and me and I'm very British Irish. Um, which is not surprising considering all the people who I know are my family. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's like, I like look at the names of the subway stations and I'm like, this is different because all these words are based on my language. Whereas in America, words are based on like every language. We got like lots of Spanish words and lots of native American words and lots of, you know, there's some like we got, you know, York, we got New York happening up there. But like, you know, I grew up in Florida where most of the most of. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. And, and out here in Montana, like Montana is a Spanish word. Um, but there's something interesting where it's like that is working with some part of my linguistic brain in a cool way. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't have this feeling at all. I I have no relationship. You just like you just like yeah. the words. It's always it just feels like it's like a bunch of old English words that are strung together. They're like Dunwich, Shropfordshire, Maine, on Corden, <laughs> Strinton. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, what I'm noticing here is that uh, there, AFC Wimbledon. I don't know if they some of the seats in the 
some of the seats apparently in their this might be old news for your listeners. Some of the seats in the their arena are named for a company called Chemflow. So you can buy terrace tickets for the Rigus Rigus stand or the Chemflow end. <laughs> It seems yeah. as though you can buy tickets for a certain part of it called Ken. Yeah, well, that's I think that they that different companies sponsor different areas of the stadium, and so then you know which area you're buying the ticket in. And they, I never they want to sit in a place called Ken. It does not sound like the place that I would I the end I would choose if I had the opportunity. <laughs> um, it's cheap though. Uh, so the uh, the 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 news for people who who care about this uh i just looked up the league one table and afc wimbledon is in 20th of 24 which means that they are one spot out of being last uh or or out of being in the relegation zone i think is what what it's called um so they are not that it is they are hanging on by the skin of their teeth and they need to win some some football games um so this is as good as i can do in terms of how to analyze well, they need to learn that it's skill, not size, as right. uh, as the wizardry of Oz taught them. The wizard, yes, whoever that person is. The news from Mars. So as so, two pieces, two pieces of things. One, you may have heard about this weird asteroid that we think was we like maybe really skinny and long, but that seems very unlikely. So maybe it just had a weird coloration and we could only see the skinny long part of it and the rest of it was very dark uh but it was very weird and it was an object from outside of our solar system and it came flying through our solar system it's the first time we've ever detected an, an object from outside of our solar system it is it is of course a thing that happens but uh we're getting better at detecting objects like that now because we are kind of on the lookout for meteorites uh, that might hit earth uh, doing better job of that, which is great. Good job. How are we able to? How are we able to know that it's from another solar system? Um, so its trajectory is hyperbolic. So almost like all the stuff in our solar system, its trajectory is. Uh, it comes like you can see the orbit, and the orbit might not be a circle. In fact, uh, very often there are these huge, long, looping things where it comes into the inner solar system and then goes way out, but then eventually it's going to come back. And this object. Uh, came in at a speed and a trajectory. So it came in um, not in the plane of the solar system. So our solar system is like a plate. Um, and it came in from, from up instead of from side to side. And then it uh, and then it came in, went extremely fast, looped around the sun, and then went right back out. So um, it had way too much kinetic energy for it to have been from, uh, from here. Um, it was not like sometimes this will happen when like two objects interact and one grabs a bunch of its uh, kinetic energy through a gravity interaction and then it will get enough energy to slingshot out of the solar system. But this is way too fast for that. So it's definitely from elsewhere. Um, and they uh, so we won't ever know anything more about this object because it was going too fast and we took readings uh, at its closest point and now it's way farther away and we'll continue getting farther away but the question is could we have like if we had some time in the future would there have been a possibility to actually chase something like this down and be like well we don't we're not going to get a chance to observe another solar system anytime soon because they're you know light years away could we right. get to this thing and and I know this doesn't sound like Mars news yet 
but could we get the get to this thing and uh, and study another solar system by studying an object that made its way to us from another another solar system? And the answer to that question is with SpaceX's uh, current plan for its big old Mars rocket called the BFR. Um, we could actually get something going fast enough to catch up to not this object because that thing isn't built yet, but to another object like it that hap- that like happened by. So if we were ready and the BFR was a thing that existed and it was like driving people from like LA to Sydney every afternoon, like Elon Musk seems to think is possible, we could load one of these things up and get it going fast enough that it would, it would actually be capable of catching up with like if it existed today, it, we could have launched it and it would have caught up with uh, this object, which I'm not going to try to pronounce its name because it's in Hawaiian and I would be bad at it. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that is an exciting potential side effect of building a rocket capable of going to Mars is also you would have a rocket capable of chasing down an object that was flung into our solar system from another solar system, being able to do research on that object and learning about what life or not what life, but what uh, what the universe is like very far away and uh, in a very different place. So uh, that's just a maybe, but also a cool. So I'm glad glad to yeah that is glad to know cool. that glad to know that somebody was thinking about that and uh, and ran the numbers. Alex, what did we learn today? We learned that the greatest gift a person can get is a piece of printer paper folded in half with a quarter tape to it. And we learned that if somebody whacked your grandma with a turkey leg at Thanksgiving. That like you can ghost <laughs> them. You can take it. You can just be like, no thanks. It's that's that. And we learned that the number two pencil is just many, one in a long lineage of pencils. Oh, so many. Uh, with various numbers and apparently letters, H and B. Oh, who knows what that's about? At least. And finally, we learned that uh, the opposite of anarchy is learning what anarchy actually is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you made me cough. Uh, oh, good. I'm so glad. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. I am a big fan of Reply All, so it's just an absolute treat to hang out and talk. And thanks for joining me on the Patreon live stream before this. All the Patreon patrons got, or the ones who were able to show up, got a, uh, a special treat of Alex Goldman hanging out and talking about net neutrality and marshmallows. Um, so if you want to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn. Also, if you want to support us, just tell your friends what a great podcast this is. Um, and also tell them about Reply All because it is very good and, and let's be honest, better than this. Uh, but, oh, uh, come on, come on. Different. <laughs> we actually... Um, Much more work. <laughs> we, In honor of being on the show, I actually created a special page called... There's actually three URLs you can go to. Uh, it's called replyall.pizza slash dearhank, replyall.pizza slash dearjohn, and replyall.pizza slash dearalex. They all go to the same place, though. It's just a page of some of our <laughs> favorite episodes um, if you want to get started with the oh, show. Oh, that's so nice. So That's wonderful. So go Thank ahead you. and check those out. Um, it's, I think, eight or nine episodes that we really like and listeners really like so uh, yeah go ahead and check this out and thanks so much for having me on the show I really appreciate it this podcast is produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson it's edited by Nicholas Jenkins our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno uh, the theme music you're hearing now and at the beginning is by the great Gunnarola and as they say in our hometown don't forget to be awesome, awesome.